Good evening and welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 123. On tonight's episode, we are going to review the latest record from King's X. It's called Three Sides of One. We're going to try to stump Mr. Mundy. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that when we've played our challenge inspired by the amazing Lester Bangs, Mr. Mundy pretty much owns us. He is a veritable library of musical knowledge. And so tonight we're going to see if he uh, can hold up. He probably will. That's what he does. And then uh, when we're done with that, we're going to talk about Sandman issue number 15. So big show tonight. Excited to have you. If you like what you see in here, subscribe and leave a comment and feel free to share this with your friends. We'd always love to have more people enjoying the show and commenting. Joining me tonight is... None other than Metalhead Mundy himself. Step inside into his mind. It's void and time. It's Metalhead Mundy. And there he is, like magic. Hello, hello. Welcome to the program. Good to be here. Are, are we going to stump you tonight? We'll see. I don't know. Oh, doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited because I get to say braggadocio. Oh. All right. Yes, I know. It's very exciting. There's a preview, I guess. Yes. So anybody who enjoys braggadocio, stay tuned in. So um, let's just let's just do it right now. Let's get it out of the way before we jump into the show. We got to talk about episode three of She-Hulk. Absolutely. We'll talk about the last couple. Mm-hmm. I continue to love it. I think it's a blast. Yeah. Same. I I mean, it has a lot of the feel of the especially the John Byrne series and kind of everything since, you know, he brought the humor, mm-hmm. you know, from her, you know, late seventies series when she first came about, that was a little more serious kind of, and she was the savage she Hulk. Mm-hmm. So uh, John Byrne kind of brought the humor and turned her into the sensational she Hulk. So that's kind of what we've had ever since. And uh, yeah, I'm digging the show. Yeah, and the the length of the show being only about a half an hour for each one kind of makes it feel like a uh, comedy show, <laughs> like a sitcom. Yeah, it's very much uh, sitcom. Like, yeah, yeah. So we got a couple of storylines going on. Uh, we have her as uh, as She Hulk, and then we've got her as a lawyer, and they kind of balance those two things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lawyer part really shined this week, and that brought a lot of humor and uh, just a fun <laughs> fun little bit there. Yeah, I like seeing uh, all the, you know, uh, supporting cast around the firm. Like they brought Pug in, so he's been around in the comics for a while, I think. So I don't know if, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe Dan Slot brought him in. I'm not sure where he first popped up, but it's cool to, you know, see her. And I love the dynamic with her and her assistant stuff. Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah, like a couple of buddies. Uh, yeah, and obviously the elephant in the room is not an elephant. It was a stallion. It was Megan the Stallion made an appearance. And I should have known because uh, our friend Braden came over. And so we watched all these shows together. And we both love Megan. And Marianne stayed around in the room with us. So I thought at the end, I'm like, oh, now I get it. Megan was on the show. And then I didn't know she was filming us to get our oh, reaction to when she showed up. So that and taking, is hilarious. And taking pictures of us. So. That's um, funny. I'm pretty sure we pretty much erupted. So I, they kept mentioning her, and I didn't think she'd be there. And then, oh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, she was, when she first showed up, she was just in the gallery, right? Yeah, she was in the courtroom and, yeah, with a fan yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't twerking yet. That, yeah. that happened and of later. course, we had to see her tongue. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, big fan, so that was fun. And uh, just kind of a capper to an all-around great <clears throat> episode. And then, of course, at the end, we got the Wrecking Crew in there, which was kind of fun. Yeah, I saw them, and that's... <laughs> like, they didn't really look much like them, but then they all had kind of tools, and I'm yeah. like, no way, is this a Wrecking Crew? Yeah, is that a crowbar? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's, but they didn't really say, are, are they like the Asgardian enchanted weapons? Well, like, wasn't that part of their thing or something? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. And then, <clears throat> of course, they're working for someone else. So I guess we're going to find out who the big bad is who's yeah. trying to get her blood. And um, I'm, I'm not thinking it's Abomination, but I think that would be too easy. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know how much they're going to continue on with them. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I don't know. Like, I I don't see where else they might be going with him. But yeah, I don't either. And I I think it'd be fun if we get a couple of seasons out of this, maybe to have him come back periodically and show up. But yeah, yeah, I think there's got to be some outside force, hopefully. And I don't know her rogues gallery. I don't I haven't read that comic a lot, so. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, other than Titania, there's not, I mean, most everybody else but her is kind of like silly, you know, one-offs. And they're either one-offs or just kind of silly, goofy, you know. She had a, there was a guy that, he was not a, a villain, but he was, I don't know, kind of, teamed up with her for a while i think he was called razorback and he was just like a really big dude and his costume like he had this big headpiece that was like a you know razorback yeah. hog thing a wild uh, pig yeah i don't know yeah. <laughs> i don't know but regardless i don't care who they bring on the show as long as it keeps this tone and it continues to be charming and she is fantastic in both roles yes uh, great casting so I'm, I'm in it. I'm loving it. I don't understand why people are angry and not everything has to be serious. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So just let us have some fun. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, don't watch it. Exactly. I mean, it's pretty simple. <laughs> That's what people complain about stuff all the time. Like if you don't like it, don't watch it. Don't listen to it. Don't read it. Don't like who cares. No, please spend all of your time online <laughs> telling me why I shouldn't like it because it's awful. Please yeah. waste your time doing that. It's great. Yeah. I don't know. I think never are, understood that mentality. Got to have a voice, man. Got to let everybody hear yes. what you got to say. So, you know, they should get a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that's good. We're both loving it. So we'll uh, next week we'll talk about episode four because it is fun. But now we have business to take care of. We have to stump Metalhead Monday. All right. This is how it's going to work. So as you know, in the past, we've done the challenge inspired by Lester Banks. He was a famous... Um, I believe he worked for Rolling Stone and probably some other, I'm not sure who other outlets he worked with, but he was, uh, he reviewed albums. And so what we do is we read an excerpt from a review and try to figure out which band it's talking about. We try to dig in deep so it's not obvious. For this one, I have chosen four bands that Mr. Mundy is familiar with because otherwise it would be just ridiculously hard. So the four bands are Danzig. Anthrax, which he might know a little something about, <laughs> Pantera, and Metallica. So, are you ready? Uh, now, we'll find uh, out. The, I'm going to write them down. I'm not even going to tell you if you're right yet, because we'll just be eliminating them and making it easy for you. Okay. All right, here we go. You ready for the first one? Sure. This band has taken the raw material of heavy metal and refined all the shit. The swaggering cock rock braggadocio and the medieval Dungeons and Dragons imagery right out of it. Instead of the usual star-strut and ejaculatory gestures and hokey showbiz razzmatazz, the members of this group pour out pure apocalyptic dread. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Pantera on that one. Okay. Number two. Wait, hold oh, on. Oh, and you can always change your mind at any point, too, if, if another one makes you think otherwise. You know what? I'm going to switch my answer for that one already. Okay. I'm going to say Metallica for that one. Okay. Sucker. All right, here we go. <laughs> Get in your head. All right, second one. This group has evolved in the course of three albums into a resourceful, tightly meshed unit. It, this group embodies the best in contemporary hard rock while displaying an originality that transcends genres and a roaring slab of leathery rock that isn't overly troubled by lyrical obsessions. Wow. Okay. Um, I'll go with Danzig on that one. Okay. Next one. With relentless energy and a full aggression attitude, this group jumps into the field with an absolute headbanger. And I can't tell you the name of the headbanger. 
Unfortunately, the album falls from grace pretty soon when these other songs come in kind of like a teenage punk cheesy vein. I had to go with Pantera on that one. Okay. That feels like a review of uh, Cowboys from Hell. Yeah, okay. Not saying anything. (laughs) Last one, you ready? One of the most influential heavy metal albums in the 90s, this one, is just what it says. It's raw, pulverizing, insanely intense. It's uh, in its depiction of naked rage and hostility that drains its listeners and pounds them into submission. Even the ballads have thunderingly loud, aggressive chorus sections. Okay. So... Man, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna say that's Pantera, and I'm gonna say the last one is Anthrax. The the one before this was Anthrax. If you were saying it's Anthrax, which album do you think it's talking about? I don't know. I mean, it could be Sound of White Noise, but it could be something earlier. I'm trying to think of because Sound of White Noise. Well. It doesn't lead off with only, but the song it leads off with, Potter's Field, is, I mean, super, super aggro. And then Potter's Field is kind of a radio hit, so I can see where it like kind of falls off a little bit for right. some people. I don't know. I could I could talk myself into most of these for any of these bands. <laughs> so you didn't make it super easy. No. But I made it easy enough that you are now four for four. It was Fistful of Metal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Fistful of Metal, honestly, is not great. And it's mostly because of the singer. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what a lot of said on there. But yeah, the song was Death Rider. And then yes. the uh, teenage punk cheesy ones were Metal Thrashing Mad and yep. I'm 18, the yeah. cover. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. can see that. And obviously, you know which Pantera's was, and then uh, Metallica's was uh, Master of Puppets. Okay. So, but see, the one also, uh, well, I don't know. I, I was kind of thinking the one you said for Anthrax that had like a strong leadoff track and then fell off mm-hmm. after that, like it kind of made me think of maybe Kill 'em All, but. Kill Them All, I think, starts with Hit the Lights, which is not the rockinest song on that album. So. Not the banger. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. yeah. Well, you nailed it. Uh, Danzig, the Danzig one was easy. That was because they're not as heavy as the other three, really. Yeah. And the leathery rock, I think, yeah. kind of gave that one away a little bit, yeah. too. And it was uh, Danzig 3, is what it was for, which. Yes. So. And which is Danzig 3 is my favorite Danzig album. It's fantastic. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, it looks like you get to keep your crown. Nice. Son of a bitch. Well, what can I say? (laughs) Well done. I'm amazing. (laughs) Well done, Mr. Mundy. (laughs) Next time I'm picking Fiona Apple, everything's going to come from that one record. (laughs) Well, if you do that, then there will definitely not be any more braggadocio. (laughs) I mean, could I not use that part once I saw that? I mean, uh, t- swaggering cock rack bragg- braggadocio. Yeah. Um, oh, just hokey showbiz razzmatazz. This guy was throwing <laughs> everything in there. I should have looked to see who it was, but that was good stuff. That was fun. I like that. It was indeed. But I especially um, like it because I got them all right. It <laughs> doesn't hurt any, that's for sure. But um, now we do have some work with a band that has been around since the beginning of time, or at least the seventies, which is insane. Um, they didn't hit my radar until 1990. Same. Um, yeah. Obviously it's love. It was a huge mm-hmm. hit. I think um, their first album was the album before that. So it was like 87 or 88, 88, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Could be, could be. They start off in 79. I think then they have a different name when they started. Uh, probably the most bands usually do. <laughs> so we're talking about Kings X, those of you playing at home and um, which I kind of consider them a rather large band. I know they're not like selling out, you know, festivals on their own or anything, but 
I have a Continue. note on that. So I just saw something that was uh, an interview with Doug Pinnock, and uh, the interviewer asked him um, some kind of question about making money from King's X, and he was Can like, "Can I read it for you? I actually, oh, I, you got I, it. I wrote it down because I was yeah. like, oh my god, yeah." He says about King's X, it's never been profitable. Mm-hmm. We've never recoup, recouped, recouped all the funds that the record companies put into us. Even on their current label, Inside Out, we owe them a couple of hundred thousand dollars because they haven't recouped from the last couple of records. Our former label, Atlantic Records, we owe five million or four million to something like that. Three, I'm not sure. It's in the millions somewhere they spin on us. Everybody that's ever signed us has always lost money. And so we've never made any money off of record sales. Yeah. Yep. That's how the music industry works. I was shocked, especially early nineties. And maybe those, maybe the first initial records made some money, but I was a little surprised. Well, so they came onto my radar in 90 with its love as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I probably saw that video on like headbangers ball or something. And uh, I was like, Oh shit, these guys are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're different, you know, it was a different sound back then. Like I hadn't really heard anything that sounded like them. And, uh, yeah, like they were on Atlantic records, huge label, but I mean, it's love, I think was a very, very minor hit. And then I think on the next album, black flag, great, mm-hmm. great song, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, very minor hit. Like most people don't know who King's X is. It's Love got to number six, I think I saw, on the Billboard charts. Really? I'm, I'll have to relook it up, but I'm, I'm pretty like, sure, which that was what shocked me when I, I knew that it was that big. And then I'm like, and they didn't make any money. That was just so surprising. I'm just like the main, like the Billboard 200 or I, I, mean, like, I feel like that's, on. I feel like that's got to be like a rock chart or something. I don't think they had a shit I, that big. Maybe it was uh, that one. Let's see. Billboard. Um, hold on. It, just talk while I'm looking. <laughs> uh, well, I actually was going back and listening to like some of their songs that I love, like It's Love and Black Flag and stuff off of Dog Man. And um, I'm pretty sure It's Love is like their biggest streamer on Spotify. It's It and peaked it, at number six on mainstream rock tracks. There you go. Yeah, so, there's no I think it way was that was 1990. Yeah. Um, well, it says it's Billboard's mainstream rock, and it was number six. It is a Billboard. Uh, it, yeah, it is Billboard, but yeah, but it's the mainstream rock chart, not right. like the Hot 200 or whatever. Correct. Yeah, so that makes more sense. But uh, but yeah, like I said, it's love. I'm pretty sure is their biggest streamer, and it was only at like. Uh, maybe I want to say it was a million five. That one or Black Flag, one of the two was at like a million and a half streams. So I don't, they, you know, they're not, I feel like they're kind of like the best band that nobody knows about. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, they've got a bunch of them up here. Uh, 85 maybe 85 what faith hope and love that's looking at uh, that's what it's love was on that's 90 yeah and that peaked at 85 yeah okay so and it was on the charts for 24 weeks anyway okay we digress i think yeah. we were both shocked by that statement from Penix. so that's yeah i i mean i kind <clears throat> of was but i kind of wasn't um like I said, they've never been a huge band, huge, huge band. Like I think people that know them love them and they have a lot of devoted fans, but mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, they don't have enough devoted fans to carry them into superstardom, you know? Well, people must have thought of them like we do because, you know, these companies were willing to put up large amounts of money yeah, to promote I, them. I'm not know. sure. They've never yeah. gone away. Well, I mean, their last album before this was 2008, mm-hmm. but I mean, they still kept doing things. I don't know how much King's X stuff they really did, but 
I know Doug Pinnock, like he's always guest starring on something. He's got side projects and one of which was KXM, which is fantastic with him and George Lynch and Ray Luzier from Corn. That's their great band. Yeah, but, I think yeah. he said basically all of them are doing side gigs to try to make ends meet, yeah. which I'm sure they have like side gigs and probably endorsements from, you know, uh, gear companies and all kinds of stuff like that. Cause they're all fantastic musicians and yeah. by them all, we should say it's Doug Pennick. <laughs> yeah. Doug Pennick on bass and vocals, Ty Tabor on guitar and vocals and Jerry Gaskell on drums and vocals. Mm -hmm. So just the three of them. Yeah, you get some uh, three-person harmonizing on this record, too. Absolutely. That's, they've always been fantastic with that. That's kind of one of their signatures. Um, they always, too, I, like when I think about their sound, they kind of have a, a sound. Like the, I'm like, mm -hmm. that's that King's X specialty right there. And I don't, I don't know. It's always like this weird, they have the harmony vocals and then it's like some of the stuff they play has this weird, almost like um, dissonance that just works so well. Like I, I don't really know how to describe it other than that. And you don't get a record that just falls into a groove and sits there. It's no, uh, there's never. a lot of variation on the record. Yes. There's something to like for everyone. Yeah. Um, which this is a pretty good record, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. Well, let's dig in. Let's talk about said record. Um, as for opening tracks, this one is Let It Rain, and I thought it was a fantastic opening track. Yeah. Nice I hard would... rocker and mm -hmm. brings us right in. I liked it a lot. I would agree with that. Um, this is another one. Like, I watched this video before I listened to the album, and, um, you know, the video kind of follows... Well, I started to say follows the lyrics, but it kind of sticks with the thematic element of the lyrics. And, you know, the video is just like a lot of cut bits and pieces of like stuff that's happening in the world today. So uh, not a lot of good news. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a very solid opener. And this one, more than any other track on this song, is, I mean, it just absolute earworm gets stuck in my head <laughs> yep i couldn't agree more yeah and it does i it does set the tone like you say with the video with those kind of things for what comes in the rest of the album mm -hmm. and um just i think it's a very smart album it doesn't it's not like preaching to us or anything but it's definitely shows a group who has been around for a long time and is starting mm -hmm. to see the writing on the wall that things are not going well and what they thought it's was like public enemy. They're bringing us the news. This is true. So true. <laughs> I'm calling Chuck D. I'm see if we can get him on the show. <laughs> I'm sure he's, he's dying too. <laughs> um, second track is flood part one. I'm not sure where part two is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we got part one, baby. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's going to be on the second album. So, <laughs> this one I think kind of sets up, and I, I could be reading into this record a little bit, but um, it sets up what I think is evident on a number of the songs. And so, you know, the three members are, you know, have always been since the beginning Christians. And they defied the idea of having this be a Christian band, because I think that puts you in a box in some weird category of music when they're not. But what I think is interesting about this, and I kind of see myself fitting into this at some point, um, that the optimism that if you're a true Christian, basically it's about love, you love everyone, even your enemy. I mean, that's one of the biggest tenets of, of Christianity. That's the way it's supposed to be, but it's been hijacked by the far right. And now Christianity has been somehow weaponized against, you know, to discriminate against groups and set policy against groups, which I just, it just baffles me mm -hmm. that that's what's happened. And so, and here, you know, he says, he talks about love and it's gone now and it's time for the flood. So another biblical allusion to starting over, flooding everything, and then we start fresh and new. Kind of like, you know, we're at a point now where there's no going back. Love cannot win this like we thought it could. Um, and maybe, and there's some other songs I think later that we can talk about, I think that have a similar feel. And maybe with Doug being gay, maybe he realized what, some Christians do against 
you know, gay people. And so maybe yeah. that maybe lost some of his optimism, so to speak, for what should be yeah. a loving group. I definitely think that would be an in- interesting conversation to have with uh, Doug Pennick right now, where he sees himself in the world, in his religion as a gay black man. And even further than that, a gay black man in a hard rock band. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's that's another place where he's underrepresented. So uh, I think that would be a very interesting conversation to have with him. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot a lot to digest there. But uh, this song is uh, it's pretty good. There's a great uh, kind of a single note riff Mm -hmm. to open it. And then uh, they got their signature harmony vocals all over it and all all over the whole album. Yeah, that's something that's a note I could say over and over again. But the harmony on this one was really good. I liked it a lot. I like this song very much. Yeah. Next one is nothing but the truth. What do you think? Uh, this one was a good, uh, good, uh, I don't know, the, I feel like the backing vocals really, not even that it's harmony, it's just the backing vocals, how they use them, where they use them, I think really gave a nice uh, touch, a nice undertone to this song. The main vocals from Doug, super soulful, uh, really, really like the tempo of this song and uh man his voice just perfect perfect on this one yeah that's what i was my note for that one was about his voice because it was soulful like that gospel kind of element has crept in here and um yeah it just was straight up him and i thought that was really cool Uh, because he has a very distinctive voice yes and we failed to mention that he was on our good friend Michael Cervolo's record. Yes. Beauty and Chaos. I mentioned that last time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, he was. And uh, he was and, dynamite on that one, too. <laughs> and the man just had his 72nd birthday. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> well, apparently he's got to keep working because he hasn't made any money yeah, right. on his music, which is yeah. still baffling to me. All right. Um, next one is Give It Up. And. Um, I like this one quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the, you know, where he has lost some optimism. I, the message here to me, the way what I take away is that you know you're making the most of the time that we have left. You know, we're not guaranteed anything, but you just got to take it and run with it. It's yours. Um, so that's maybe him getting older too, being 72 now. Maybe he had, does look at this a little differently. Yeah, this is uh this is a fun groover. Um, kind of a little bit of a pop feel to it. Um, kind of bouncy. This is the one. This is the one that has the. Uh, Can you I see it? No, I see white paper. It says "Give it up." Yes, so that's right. But do you know what song? I couldn't place it. I was just like, "This is." I just know this song. I know this song, but I couldn't. So yeah, we were talking. Uh, we were texting earlier for anybody listening. We were texting. I, I said there there is a song on this album that has a riff that is so so super super close to a very big classic rock song, and this is it. On it's on "Give It Up." So I was listening to this, and I'm like, "That's a foreigner song." And I had to go through, and I'm like, no, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. It's Dirty White Boy. Okay. It is, yeah. I, I swear, it. it is so close, so close. I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to put this. Yeah, I even, I played it for my wife, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that was so funny. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't place the song, but it was there. I mean, I, you could just tell. It's Dirty White Boy all the way. Awesome. Which is like I always tell Lacey that's my theme song. So <laughs> Dirty. All right, here that's we go. One of my favorite foreigner songs. All right. Well, I did like the song quite a bit. It was good. Yeah. It's um, fun. Yeah. So what I started to talk about with Flood, I think really comes through with all God's children. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just that, and I think tr- this kind of fits in with this whole mentality where it's an all or nothing political 
situation that we're in, that even when people set policy against you, you still vote for it, mm -hmm. um, which is baffling to me. But um, in this one, um, I think he's taking a stab at the alt-right, um, that they are willing to work against their own interests. And in this case, they're grabbing their pitchforks and their torches and they're going after them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what, when you, <laughs> when you think, Oh, these guys are Christian huh? and they got all God's children. This is going to be a nice song. Nope. It's yeah. about how it's been, I, I think almost stolen. Like, and, and like I said, weaponized earlier that we are now attacking certain groups because they're different. Um, and we've lost the loving nature of it. So yeah. I think this is kind of a nice sequel to Flood. I agree with all that. I um, This one, it's like a, it's kind of a big, beautiful rambler of a song. Um, and uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's epic, but it definitely feels big and it's big and pretty. Um, the the uh the melody of the chorus when they when they sing all god's children that i mean again total earworm like mm -hmm. you know that's just gets in there and this is this is the first one on here where i think i'm pretty sure it's ty ty Tabor singing lead on this mm -hmm. one and I butted up against that a little bit at first. Uh, the more I listened, the more it grew on me. I think his voice actually works really well on this one. Um, mm -hmm. Just as a stylistic choice, I think it, it works really well here. Um, some of the, uh, some of the later ones, not as much, but I, I this song is great. I, I really like this one. Yep. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I thought his voice was fantastic on this one. Mm. Uh, take the time. I didn't have a lot on this one. This um, is the this is the one I'm saying like his voice not so much. Uh, again, Ty is taking lead on this one, and it feels like there <laughs> there's a couple of spots in this one where it kind of feels like he's hitting the limit of how his high range. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of like, <laughs> like mm, maybe back off of that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I I didn't love this one. Um, you know, I mean, there's not a song on here that I hated, but I, this yeah, one same. is, yeah, it's probably on the lower end of my list. Agree. Um, next one is festival. This one, I, I think I texted you earlier. There's something in here. There's this one and there's one more that has like a Beatleish feel or oh. uh, an older fifties, early sixties. I don't know exactly how to describe it. But there's something to the chorus, the cadence. I don't know exactly what it is, but it uh, really took me back to that. I like the song. Um, yeah, I like this one. Uh, it's kind of a classic King's X rocker type mm -hmm. song. You know, nothing fancy, nothing crazy, but definitely their sound. And again, I think Ty sings lead on this one. So it's kind of this mm -hmm. chunk in the middle where he kind of takes over for a little bit. I wonder if so, this says... Now, like the credits, I was looking online to see credits for each song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I couldn't couldn't find. I there's I don't think there's a lot out there. I didn't find. Mm -hmm. I didn't really look for that. But even on Spotify, like the lyrics, none of the lyrics are there. So, yeah. Uh, swipe up. Mm -hmm. Like this, like one this quite one. a bit. I did too. And I like the message quite a bit. This is mm -hmm. the uh, talking about censorship and news catering information to each side, destroy left and right blur, black, the sky information yeah. tailor made for me. Um, I, I just, I think it fits with a lot of the other songs. It was really on point. It was poignant. And the song itself is fantastic. I could listen to yeah. this one over and over. It's really good. Uh, same. I agree with all that. It's like a super, just kind of a groovy stomper. It's that, you know, has a really good vibe to it and a little bit on the heavier end. So I, I like this one quite a bit. Cool. I'm going <clears> to <throat> right now, I'm going to edit this I'm going to hide this and I'm giving you credit for a new term. We're going to, we're going to get this patented. Super groovy stomper. Groovy stomper. <laughs> Head Monday. You heard it here first, everybody. 
You can use it, but you owe him a quarter every time you use it. <laughs> uh, uh, next song, Holidays. This is the other one that gave me that Beatles feeling uh, with the chorus, and it's super catchy. Yeah. Uh, this one's not really super hard. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it is. It's a rocker, obviously, but it's uh, just a little softer, a little catchier, and I got to I got to figure out exactly what I'm thinking when I listen to this. I've listened a bunch of times, but there's some connection the, to the Beatles, I think, that I'm hearing. I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah, Holidays was... Uh, I didn't love the vocals on the verses. The chorus is great. Like, you know, they all come in and do the harmonies on the chorus, and it sounds great. But I didn't love the, yeah, the vocals on the verses. It's kind of meh. Yeah. All righty. Next up is Watcher. And this one has, a, I think, a pretty good groove. I like the guitars mm -hmm. on this one. I didn't... Uh, dig into this song as much on the lyrics uh, and it wasn't a favorite for me by any means but uh, i did think it was a pretty good rocker and had a pretty good groove yeah it's like a real solid mid-tempo kind of kind of groove to it a uh, definite head bobber uh vocals are fantastic a lot of you know harmony king's x harmonies so uh, it's yeah it's good it's fine mm -hmm. not outstanding yeah um she called me home I didn't have much on this one. So this one for me, um, this song right here, this is kind of a perfect example of how King's X, they kind of, uh, they produce this perfect blend of darkness and light. And I don't know, I'm not a musician, so I don't know if that's, it's that they're using the minor chords with kind of the, harmony vocals uh, you know i don't know if that's like kind of the because you know minor chords are more they sound more uh, whatever sad evil whatever you want to put on it dark heavy so this is kind of that perfect example of how king's x can really do that they can they kind of they have kind of a, a heavy sad dark sound but then they have these vocals on top of it that kind of bring it up a little bit and it's like a Another way that I put it was like it's kind of this blend of menace and hope at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's that's all over the song. Yeah. Okay. Interesting take. And then the last one, I'm not sure I love it as a closer. I do like I guess thematically I like it as a closer as a, a song. I, I don't like the sound yeah. as much for a closer. Yeah. But I did like that there's still, he kind of comes back a little bit to some optimism. He calls for love. You know, you'll, the heaven is, I guess, finding heaven on earth is love. So, and uh, I like that he returned to that. A little bit of hope, a little bit of positivity. The song itself, though, I didn't love, and I just did not feel like it was a good album closer. I'm exactly right there with you. I the same thing. I, I don't think it's a great closer song wise, but the lyrics, that's what I said. The lyrics are, I guess he's leaving us with a more optimistic, you know, on an optimistic note tip, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I'm with everything you said was what I was thinking. All right. So what do you give it as an album? And will you listen again? Um, oh, yeah, I'll definitely listen to this some more. Um, this one probably, I'd say, I I might go 375 out of 5. It's kind of where, where it is for me. Yep, I think I'm about a 3.5. Yeah. So 375 out of 5. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I don't think there's any song that just jumps out like, I've got to listen to this one all the time. Yeah, but they're I all pretty solid across the board. Yeah, I had some highlights for sure. I mean, Let It Rain, mm -hmm. obviously, that one just gets stuck in my head over and over. Hold on, sorry. The cat's trying to get on the table. <laughs> um, so, uh, Let It Rain, and then um, uh, Nothing But The Truth, Swipe Up, those, you know, kind of my highlights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think this one works really well as an album for sitting and listening through uh, more than just like, you know, a lot of people just listen to standout tracks and there's one or two per album. But I think if you listen to this one from beginning to end, you get a pretty good piece of music, piece of art. So I, I like that part of it quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. 
So, and I will listen again. I'll, I'll check out some more. Um, great group. Happy that we can uh, talk about them. And I wish we could somehow support them more <laughs> to help mm-hmm. them out. But uh, people need to check them out if they haven't. Give them, a, give them a chance. That's one thing I didn't say uh, up top when we were talking about it is the album Dog Man, uh, which is 1994. Um, that's my absolute favorite album from them. And it, I think, I don't know if it's because it's, it might be a little heavier, uh, which, you know, I don't hate, obviously. Yeah. But um, I top to bottom, that album, there's not a bad song on it. It, it is so good. So good. So if you're not familiar with the band, definitely check out Dogman. Yeah, that's good. And I would say, too, if you're more mainstreamish, you might check out Faith, Hope, and Love. Sure. So especially and, and another interesting thing, too, is if you like grunge and you like the Pearl Jams of the world, they give a lot of credit to King's X for creating oh. that grunge sound. OK, so there's a lot of, you know, a, a lot of credit giving by really super famous bands to King's X. So, yeah. I mean, if you've got you know, the supposed biggest, best bands in the world giving kudos to this group, I think you need to. Pay attention. Yeah, um, that's cool. So. All right. I, I never heard that, but it makes sense. It is true. I read it. And if you read it, it's true. <laughs> Especially if you read it on the internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People don't lie. I mean, you can't write it if it's a lie. <laughs> so next week we are, what do we determine? What are we doing next week? Uh, oh, Ozzy. Yeah. We're going to do, yes. we're going to definitely cover Ozzy in depth and probably talk about Flogging uh, Molly has a new one coming out next Friday. So probably talk about that a little bit too. And then we're supposed to have surprise guest back on the show. None other than so. Teabags to talk about some lyrics. So, so yeah, that would be awesome. We're not doing that challenge until he's here because he is um, all about the lyrics. So we will do that when he's here and check those albums out. And then also next week we'll be doing Sandman issue 16 because this week we're doing issue 15. What a segue. Indeed. it. <laughs> really? Let it go? <laughs> I'm going to start working backwards like that. I'm going to tell them what we're doing later and then just back up to what we're doing now. People really like that. All right. I'm getting my book out. So this it's kind of weird for us because we finished the series and then the issues in the book are still going, you know, what was happening in the series. So we're kind of backtracking a little bit if you listened last week, but we'll do our best just to talk about the issue as much as we can. All right. So this issue picks up with Jed in the hospital following the serial convention Mm -hmm. and the demise of the Corinthian turned into a wee skull with mouth eyeballs, which is awesome. (laughs) Then you kind of want a keychain with that little skull on there. Uh, yeah, that might be interesting. Or a ring or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, I don't know if I want a ring with a skull on but <laughs> I mean like an actual skull. Like he picks up off the ground. Yeah. So, so, yeah, like you said, this is Rose coming home. She's exhausted from being at the hospital. And everybody's kind of there to greet her and try to pick her up which uh, I thought was hilarious when the, the, the twins, the spider twins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zelda has a reassuring moral homily concerning God, difficult times, and a variable number of footprints in the <laughs> sand. She told it to me once, and it cheered me up remarkably. <laughs> As they're there with their veils over their heads, and that's nice. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was great. Yeah, yeah I did. that was good. Um, and it's nice because you do kind of get this family feel. From them. And then if you notice the picture, uh, the art of Ken and Barbie, they're both mm-hmm. sitting there, heads are you know tilted just a little bit, and they have big oh, smiles yeah. on their face yeah. because they're cheesy. And... and they're both wearing the same thing. Yes. So, and a large part of this issue is these people and their dreams. Yes. So we get to kind of live in their dreams for a number of pages. Yeah, as she's going, as she's coming home, that's, they're all, it's late at night, they're all you know, ready for bed. They were kind of waiting up for her. So then everybody does go to bed and then we start seeing their dreams, which is kind of, um, 
they kind of did that in the in the series, but it wasn't like this. There wasn't an episode where everyone was asleep and we saw everyone's dreams. It was kind of that was kind of strewn through the whole thing, right? Yes. Um, and this <clears throat> is way more in depth mm. because you're I think you're more focused on it because each one and then when one starts to seep into the other, um, I think it almost feels like a bigger deal in the book. Yeah. And um, this is also so yeah, here, you know, when I mean Ken is dreaming about, you know, money and sex and Barbie has she's in her whatever her place is called, the Porpentine, I think. Yeah, the yeah, the Porpentine. She's there with the Martin Ten Bones, which we saw in the series, mm -hmm. and then the the Chantal and Zelda are you know, they're, I, I was surprised at how different their dreams were. Mm -hmm. It's like Chantal's is kind of, uh, I don't, you know, her, like those last two panels of hers, it kind of reminded me of a uh, Ralph Nagel illustration. You know what I mean? Which, which ones are you talking about? Uh, Chantal. No, but which, which panels? The, the, the last two that are the same, but the one has like kind of a broken glass effect on it. And the, they're they're kind of the same drawing. Oh, I see they, what you're saying. It kind yeah. of looks like a Ralph Nagel painting or something. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Like very 80s, very you mm -hmm. know looking very pop artish. Like, yes, looking straight down the lens at you. Mm -hmm. And then Zelda's dream is just weird. <laughs> it, yeah, it is text heavy. Yeah. Um, and it was funny. He talks about Melmoth. I can think of Melmoth from uh, Grant Morrison used Melmoth in uh, Seven Soldiers. I wonder okay. if it's the same one. I wonder if they're pulling from the same place. I would assume, but I wonder too, like when you read this and I go back through and I'm looking at all these images, I wonder how this issue was reviewed by people at the time. Yeah. Cause it's vastly different from what had come before it's and it slows down and I can see where people would think maybe it's sort of inconsequential, but I don't know. I may go back and see if we can find some old reviews. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and like this was uh, Hal's dream was interesting. Like in the series, like his dreams are kind of like him, you know, performing in mm -hmm. drag. And that's kind of what we see when he dreams. But in here, it's not that it's the, you know, the icons, but I guess, I guess you could kind of say they're gay icons. You know, this is what you hear about the women that the, you know, uh, gay men, especially uh, drag performers idolize, you know, you got Bette Midler and Marilyn Monroe and Judy Garland. Yeah. They are chosen for that purpose because yes. they are uh, popular with gay men. Yes. And, um, so and then Judy's like pulling her face off and it's the well as Dorothy pulling her face off and it's the witch and then she's like I pulled both these faces off help me <laughs> you know I'm running out of hands and, yeah and then yeah so I don't know what that's about exactly but <laughs> it's interesting that's for sure and then it kind of we go into Rose kind of you know not really sleeping trying to get to sleep and she's you know, kind of breaking her day down in her head and everything that's been going on. And then she finally does drift off to sleep. And uh, so the note here says that the last image is intended to be the wizard himself, elderly, balding, imperiously humbugging. <laughs> the last image of Hal's dream. That's yeah. That's the note. Huh? Okay. I know. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't... I guess that doesn't really come through for me. Mostly, I mean, it does kind of look like an older man, but it's he's still, still got, got it... the pigtails. From... Yeah, <laughs> stuff, so I think. So... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't think he looks balding <laughs> because he still has the hair, right? From Dorothy. So I don't know, yeah. but that was what the intention was, which is odd. okay. So anyway, there you go. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you really have to read this issue to understand. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, then we get we go through Rose, you know, starting to fall mm -hmm. asleep. And then it cuts to Gilbert going to the hospital to see Jed. And uh, that's only like three short panels. And then we 
see dream watching he's in the dreaming watching the vortex the actual swirling vortex and you know telling matthew he needs to go sit with jed so it's i liked the little you know matthew is kind of he's kind of loud and kind of matter of fact and but then he got quiet and he's like i don't like hospitals I don't know. That was the one part of it. I don't know that I like the casting for Matthew. Really? I love Patton as him. I See, think that's I just great. Don't, I never read him as comedy relief in here. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, that's not I don't... the voice that I heard. Yeah, okay. I, I guess I can see that, but I like... I don't know. I In the show... I feel like Patton kind of turns Matthew into he's playing a Raven that is part of the dreaming, but I feel like the way Patton plays it is kind of like our window into the dreaming. Like I feel like he kind of represents the average person seeing the dreaming and, you know, kind of breaking it down or trying to keep it real or something like that. Could be, could be. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's one of the beauty things about reading stuff is you get to give your own voice to it. You hear what you want to hear. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's yeah. sending Matthew off to sit with Jed, and he, Matthew doesn't like hospitals. So. <laughs> and then we go back into the dreams, and they're they're starting to kind of wrap up and overlap. And yep, um, there was one part in here, so when we go back to Chantel's dream, it's the, the story that she starts telling over and over and over again, dark and stormy night. They did that with her, but it was, wasn't it her standing there like reciting it? I think, I think in the series it was, it was her standing there reciting it. And then like her sister kind of broke her out of it or something like that. Is that, I can't tell what the image is. Like where is she standing there in the image? No, on this page. So when she's telling the story, it's just like a picture of the pirate, like that. Just oh, I see it now. Yeah, for infinity, and then she like she's saying it over and over, and then it cuts to um, Zelda, and Zelda kind of breaks her out of it. Yeah, but I think in the series, she was actually standing there saying the same thing over and over and over. Could be. Yeah, but I this these two pages right here are a great example of. Uh, shifting the art styles and the different dreams. Yeah, so cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's stark when you look at the right page compared to the left. Yes. Um, yeah, I really like the the Barbie dream artwork. Yeah, it's really cool. All right. Yeah. So they're all kind of mixing and coming together, and that's mm-hmm. the indication of the vortex and her power and what she's doing. Um. So yeah. in this show did it a little bit differently but essentially i mean if you think about it they combine like he's watching the vortex they use that whole yes. vortex feel in mm-hmm. the show so they they did piece it together in a way that i think did work so, I, I like the the two-page spread where rose is in the middle of the vortex and there's a panel in each corner and they rotate as you go around yes um, that's a pretty cool touch yeah and, yeah, then, and that... then and then she is in the dreaming so in the in the series they there was the way she went, got in and out of the dreaming was, I mean, almost at will really. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, like. Well, initially I don't think she realized how she was doing it, but then later yes. when she started getting more powerful, she just started right. doing it on her own. Yeah. Yes. So that's a little different here. They changed that quite a bit. And then, you know, it's just basically dream saying, you know, enough, stop what you're doing. We need to talk. And he kind of takes her and they have a little, little discussion. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, yeah, so yeah, that was the next page, um, and that's the first. Well, I guess there's a few more pages here before we get to that. Yeah, everybody thing. starts kind of waking yeah. up out of their dreams and kind of coming out of it, and you know, the he Neil talks a little bit about the how they're feeling coming out of their dreams, and you know, you see the Ken and Barbie with their backs to each other because they didn't like what they saw in each other or she didn't like what she saw in his dream and the sisters are comforting each other and you know and they did show that that in the tv show too a little bit yeah yeah with with ken and barbie especially like it was a dream as he's cheating on her yeah 
And then so. we cut cut back to uh, England, and we see uh, Unity and Miranda mm -hmm. for a minute. Yep, and um, kind of a little foretelling of what's of some important stuff to come with Unity. Yeah. Which is cool. And then we get back. I think some of this next part is really cool because this is the first time we learn about Dream and Killing. Yes. Um, and we learn that from Fiddler's Green here, Gilbert. Yes. Um, and, yeah. So, obviously, there's more... Uh, more that happened in the series that we that doesn't we've not covered here which should get wrapped up in the next issue i don't yeah. remember until i read it i don't remember exactly how they get to desire uh siring her yes so but uh obviously we know from the series that's what happens so uh you know he talks about the fiddler's green gilbert is telling matthew that you know, he has to dream has to destroy the vortex to protect the dreaming. So, and that's kind of where we leave off. Yeah. It's the only the, time he's empowered to take a human life. You see, yeah. it's one of the rules. Yes. He's going to have to kill her. Yep. And so that's just, where we end. Yeah. So it just went up a little bit. So, um, and it's interesting too, because we, they have the conversation because he, uh, Matthew was alive, but now is a dream. Yes. And, he was the dream and now he's kind of in the living and liking right. it. Um, and so they have this different viewpoint on where they currently are, which is a nice little touch. I thought. Yeah. I, I, like I said, you know, the changes they made for the series, everything worked like, you know, it's what they, what they could keep. I think they did. And obviously like some of it's word for word and what they couldn't, they, they changed and it works. So I don't, there's no complaints there, but uh, it is cool. I kind of I wish we would have been through the doll's house before that started, but we didn't know how far the series was going to go. So, yeah, I, um, it's just a shame. I just can't understand why they have not okayed a season two yet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they took Lord of the Rings. They greenlit five seasons before it even showed, and now if you go to IMDb. It only lists two seasons. I wonder if they backed off because everybody's hating it. Hmm. Really? I, I'm getting ready to watch. I'm hoping to watch it tonight or tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's getting terrible reviews. Like, awful. Wow. Okay. Lacey's been watching the movies and I've kind of been in and out because I don't really like them. So. Right. <laughs> I, I love the originals. I, I really did. Yeah. And I, I really fell off with The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, they were just so bloated. That. She started watching Return of the King today, and we didn't finish it. But so, and she's I think is going to watch The Hobbit after that, and then probably watch that series. So, but wow, getting crappy reviews, huh? Yeah, it's not doing well. So we'll see. Huh. And they, you know, the other thing is it just came out right against the Game of Thrones show. Yeah, I wonder if that's hurting similar it a little bit fantasy because, stuff. But the other one is, well, it was hot for a long time. Everybody hated the ending, but. Yes we're going back before now. So I'm sure people are willing to give it a little grace. And, right. Uh, they had a lot of viewership, so we'll see, but Sandman green light that thing. Let's go. We need Absolutely. a season two. It was, or, or let it go. So Neil can take it wherever he needs to take it and get yeah. started on the next one. <laughs> take it over to Amazon. They'll buy it up. If they have any money left. Yeah. No kidding. After paying for Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that was another full program tonight. And um, next week, episode 16, or issue 16, sorry. Ozzy Osbourne, Flogging Molly, um, Teabag's Returns. We hope. I'm just being positive. Teabag Returns. I'm going to write it on the screen. <laughs> and then he can't, he can't ignore us, right? I mean, yeah. Somebody sees it on the internet, so that makes it real. Or, or we'll put it out into the universe, so then it, it, it will come back and happen. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> there we go. Now it's official. So, Mr. Mundy, in the meantime, if anybody wants to find you, where might they do that? Uh, just hit me up on Instagram, at Metalhead Mundy. You can see right there, it's M-U-N-D-Y. You should definitely find ways to message him and try to stump him with rock stuff. Sure. It'll be fun for you. I'm up for that. 
Yeah. And you can find me at uh, Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Foggy's Pal. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, and SoundCloud. So next week, everybody, for episode 124. Uh, can you believe it's 124 next week? They're flying. Getting up there. We're getting close to our epic 150th episode. You guys, what we've got planned is going to blow you away. I know. We haven't planned anything yet. Just <laughs> fake it. We, we got a minute. I mean. <laughs> oh, but there's big plans. Trust me. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening tonight, everybody. Till next week. For all that great stuff, we'll see you then. Bye now. <laughs>